0: Welcome to the show. Today we have Haley Grip. Now, Haley is an amazing young lady. She's had a bit of a journey. She struggled a bit in her childhood, didn't really keep her down, and she's turned disadvantages, I guess you would say, or challenges in life into, I would almost argue, assets. Because sometimes in life, we run into obstacles and things like that, And if we work it right, then that maybe will make us be more unique than the next person. And it could be a sign of character and growth and judgment. And I think she's a perfect example of this. How are you doing today, Haley?
1: I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. And thank you so much for coming on. I met Haley actually through um, another podcaster, Brett Allen, in the Open Mic Podcast. I want to give him a little shout out because he was kind enough to tell me I had to get you on. He was like, (laughs) Haley is amazing. You have to have her on. I'm like, okay. And and so I reached out to you and thankfully you are coming on.
1: You know, um, there is no greater compliment someone can give than to say, Haley is amazing. You just have to have her on. So I'm incredibly flattered and honored to be on the show to raise awareness and kind of just be me there's really no other way to say it. And I'm uh, just being me. Well,
0: that's awesome. And one of your, or I would say probably your life cause or your biggest platform now is you're on an anti-bullying, I'd say crusade. Would that be fair?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I've usually used the word mission, but I sure as heck like the word crusade. I mean, I am like that, passionate fiery ginger who you know fights for what i believe in so uh crusade is definitely the right word
0: yeah and i can appreciate it too because you've dealt with challenges in your life but those are challenges that are unique to you but they don't make you unique other people have had their own challenges and their own struggles with bullying and everything else
1: Oh, absolutely. And as much as I share my story and whatnot, I am also completely aware that what I've been through and everything that I've been through, most people haven't. And and I try to just have that common barrier of understanding we all come from different places. We all go through different things. But if at the end of the day, we can all kind of Um, Just support each other. It really doesn't matter what we have or what we've been through, just that we're united.
0: I think it's great. And having just truthful, genuine communication is helpful. Um, I think you've mentioned before that it's very frustrating when people will claim to understand, but they can't really completely understand because they're not you.
1: You know, as a child, one of the most frustrating things that, for instance, a parent or a teacher or a friend could say was, I understand. And that was almost like a trigger for me that would get me so frustrated. And I'd be like, you have no idea. But then I came to the understanding as I grew up to realize that they may not understand what I'm going through, but the fact that they're there, they're listening and their way of saying, I understand is the equivalent of saying, I support you.
0: Hmm. Okay. So it's just a word choice. And while we're at it, let's go ahead and, um, speak about what challenges you're actually facing or your disability.
1: Of course. Um, today I'm 25. Um, I'm guessing the majority of you who are listening have not heard of me, which is absolutely magical because now <laughs> you are hearing about me. Um, I uh, was born with something called Tourette syndrome. And Tourette syndrome is a bioneurological brain disorder, and it causes your body to make movements and sounds that you can't control. It can be anything from jumping to hopping to um, grunting to shouting out, uh, the media has portrayed Tourette's as a cursing disease, um, primarily on the shows The Simpsons and Family Guy, as much as I'm like a huge fan of, well, not okay, not that, but getting into The Office, I came across even an episode of The Office that used Tourette's as a joke. Granted, when the joke was actually made on The Office, it was many years ago. And so I take that into consideration that there's a lot more awareness out there, but only 10% of people have have coprolalia, which is uncontrollable cursing. And when people have these movements or sounds they can't control, we call those tics. Essentially, the brain sends little messengers or neurons to tell your body to move or to speak. When you're having a tic, there is... Um, there is a blockage, like a, like a wall. And those mm. neurons can't get through to tell you to stop ticking. And that's why we tick. Many people also don't realize that along with the ticks, um, nine, over 90% of people with tics have a comorbid disorder, such as mm. OCD or ADHD or anxiety or depression or whatnot. So not only are you trying... And fighting to have control of your body, but you're also dealing with these internal things.
0: Um, a couple of questions on that, yeah. if you don't mind. Yes. Would you mentioned the comorbidity, which I think is very interesting? I think a lot of um, diseases have that. Like um, many people are diabetic, get a heart condition, etc. In the case of the Tourette's, is it possible that it may be a symptom of the other disease?
1: You mean the Tourettes being the comorbid disease? Yes. Um, you know, there's no real scientific study, and typically with comorbid diseases, they are the lesser of the greater. but there are um, there are people out there who, and I know people personally who have autism and Tourettes. And because mm. they are affected by the same part of the brain, there's really no saying. Um, but they, they do think that, okay, a child may have autism and with the autism, they may get the Tourette's. So it is entirely possible. Um, but you know, at the same time, Tourette's is hereditary. And so, oh, it is. yeah, I actually have a sibling that has severe, um, ADHD, so they don't have Tourette's, but they have the comorbid disorder. So many, right. many families, there's only one child. Or I mean, in granted, in other tons of families, there's more kids, but sometimes it's just one person with Tourette's and other children with comorbid disorders.
0: I think you said it manifests uh, between five and nine. At one point, yes, and, and that's why when you said hereditary, I thought that was interesting because my mother died of Parkinson's disease, and when I was speaking to the neurologist, and I know they're not related, but to me, these are all neurological type of things um he pointed out and i was quite relieved because i was worried that i might inherit it truthfully because i'm selfish but he said that parkinson's actually is environmental and i didn't know if it was possible that tourette's could be an environmental manifestation especially since it happens kind of within that period
1: um well i'm going to give you some interesting information And tell you that there are extreme similarities between Tourette's and Parkinson's. And there, I took part in a study with 10,000 people with Tourette's that believe there is a direct link. Um, um, In Parkinson's, you do not have enough dopamine in the brain. In Tourette's it is the exact opposite. You have way too much dopamine in the brain.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, The study that I took part in and granted, Different doctors will have different beliefs, but the study that, and so, and anything that I say is purely based on experience, my own research, you know, I I want to make clear to anybody listening, I am not a doctor. And if you, you know, have medical questions, the best thing to do is contact a neurologist or a psychiatrist. I just, I like to make that very clear that I may know a heck of a lot, but I am not a doctor. Um,
0: Sure. Very responsible. Absolutely.
1: I have uh, two direct relatives with Parkinson's. And so from the study, based on that, what I was told is they think that the gene could have been swapped when I was born. So instead of myself getting Parkinson's, I got Tourette's syndrome. Mm. Um, As for Tourette's being environmental, no matter what you're born with it. And this is why it's, it's very shocking to parents because you could have this, you know, we look normal. It's an invisible disability. You have this great child who's outgoing and whatnot. And suddenly between the ages of five and nine, they have these weird mannerisms. And I was born in 1993, but was showing signs in 2001 and wasn't diagnosed Mm -hmm. until 2003. Granted back in 2003, that even though there was internet, at least in my household and stuff, you know, it wasn't something that was so accessible to the wide population.
0: Well, that, and also they were um, at that time, God, I'm old, but the material wasn't on the internet. Not enough had been collected. Google and others were still scanning books. All the university libraries were trying to scan material in. So it it was definitely thinner on the ground for information.
1: Oh, I agree 100%. You know, and with this being said, oh shoot, I cannot believe this. I'm forgetting where I was going with, oh, the Parkinson, wait, you're going to have to tell me where I was.
0: Um, Parkinson parallel relatives and um, 2003 oh, when okay, you were diagnosed.
1: when I was diagnosed. So when I was diagnosed, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I never met another person with Tourette's until I was 16. Nowadays, and granted, you know, with the media, even though it's like the joke of the cursing disease, there's so much more information out there. But there was no sense of support growing up. And we didn't know what was going on. And, you know, when you have a child that looks normal and is happy and healthy and then suddenly, you know, they can't stop twitching and shouting out and making these movements and sounds. It's terrifying. you are I mean, at first, my parents thought it was behavioral. I, I can tell you straight off that before I was diagnosed, I lost a lot of birthday parties and I got great birthday parties until I was like 16 to make up for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, my mom will still tell me that, you know, we'd be shopping in the mall and suddenly, um, something would trigger it or whatnot. And I'd be shouting out and jumping and parents would literally look at her like she was a bad parent because I looked normal. I was this adorable little redheaded,
0: That's
1: rough girl. And they, and what is it, what is a parent to do? Because you can't put a shirt on your child that says, if my child acts out, it says it's Tourette's. It's not my parenting. Like, and it's a, it's a, it's a cultural shock. And it still is a shock these days to parents. And, you know, as much as we hear about it in the media, we think it's never going to affect us, but one in every 100 kids actually has Tourette's
0: that's pretty frequent.
1: Exactly. But the thing is one in um, a few thousand is actually diagnosed. And so if you think about all of the um, people or kids in classrooms that are struggling and, you know, kind of jumping up and down and whatnot that are just dismissed as bad behavior, it's really sad because a lot of them are struggling or the ones who have minor Tourettes, and then You know, have some source of trauma or whatnot, and it triggers. Um, For the environmental element, Tourette's is triggered by stress. So Mm -hmm. you have a tick no matter what, but um, on how bad it is or how repetitive or whatnot is, uh, is environmental. So I had a horrible teacher that abused me for my Tourette's verbally and emotionally and humiliated me every single day. And my Tourette's was the worst it had ever been. So now looking back, I'm like, it's kind of karma. Like she was not very nice. And so she got a kid with really bad threats. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, and I am sorry to hear that. It, I had a, a miserable time growing up too, uh, between the teachers and other kids. So I, I can definitely relate in, in that regard, but it, it is a shame when she doesn't have the compassion or education to really understand what's going on. So she probably re- really wasn't qualified to be a teacher and thank God she's not a cop, right?
1: Exactly. But you know what I, and you'll learn this the more you talk to me, I have a very, very diff- different perspective on many things that have been destructive or affected me in life. And it's because I choose to practice along the lines of something I call the power of positivity. I choose to see the good. I choose to take something from every situation, even if it's not making the same mistake. And this is the only thing that has kept me sane, that has kept me the upbeat, bubbly person I am today. And
0: right now you're in marketing now, if I recall. So I would say that you actually have an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'd rather... Do whatever I can to see the good, and even and and you would well, you probably wouldn't be surprised at how difficult that can sometimes be. But in the case of this teacher, um, you know, aside from not understanding a child with disabilities, she had a master's Mm -hmm. in teaching, she did amazing assignments, she really loved teaching, she just didn't know how to handle me. And you know, you think about all these teachers these days who are either you know, different abusive or just unqualified or whatnot. And, you know, I had, there was a point when I was 16 where I had a choice and they said, I was bullied by her at 12 and 13 where my mom said, do you want to press charges and, you know, get her, um, you know, mm-hmm. her teaching license away. And I said, no. So there's too many horrible teachers out there. And despite her not understanding and her lack of compassion for someone with Tourette's, what it is, is not being educated and it's um, you know the other kids, they deserve a teacher like that. And but you know, despite hmm. my thinking, it turns out it was not just me, even though in that instance because later on she went on to be a principal and every single parent in the school voted her out, wrote a letter and she <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I, I believe very heavily in karma. So you know I can have you think-
0: have you spoken to her since?
1: You know, a lot of people ask me that. And because of the way that she was back then of how her lack of compassion and understanding, I have no desire to. Why, Why would I want to and to even say I forgive you when she would probably deny what she did? Curiosity. Yeah, no, exactly. And out of that curiosity and, you know, I... I have no desire to reopen that. And it's not me running away. It's just saying, look, it took years to overcome what she put me through. And when I was bullied in the workforce like a few years ago and whatnot, it it was years to get over that as well. But it it re-triggered the memories of what she did. So she's always in the far (laughs) corner of my mind. I can't quite get rid of her and I'm still working on it.
0: I I hear that actually and I apologize. I could pick up the stress in your voice.
1: No. No, absolutely that. don't yeah. apologize. I'm like I told you, I'm an open book and just because I wouldn't want to see her in person, I have I have no problem speaking about her or it even bringing back because it would be different if you were like yelling at me in front of people then I'd be like oh my god it's bringing back memories of her but just speaking about her doesn't reiterate those memories
0: good good and on that note with your positivity um especially I wanted to kind of explore something with you because you're not a small player on Instagram you have a pretty huge presence I can only imagine getting that many people Um, but all of your posts if not all of them they're they're very very positive they're very happy but speaking with you I know that life isn't always great and it's not always happy how do you reconcile the conflict between that
1: you know I'm so glad that you asked that question because it's an internal moral dilemma I deal with every single day where on the one hand, I know so many other people struggle, and I get between like thirty and forty people who are bullied or going through a hard time reaching out to me per week, and I answer every single one. And I know that they go to my feed for, even if it has, even if it's so um, minuscule, and even talking about like my favorite snack, they just know that it's a safe space. But at mm-hmm. the same time, as someone with over 80,000 Instagram followers. And, um, you know, I'm very aware of the term influencer and the stigma surrounding it. Many influencers not only project a perfect life, but, you know, project this life of luxury. And, um, and I guess I'll just go with perfection An influencer shows you what they want you to see. You don't, so the majority of people on my Instagram, and I don't know I have Tourette's unless you Google my name, but I've been very specific about this because in January 2019, I am announcing it in a very big way. And mm. I've actually teamed up with a charity called InvisiYouth. And um, with InvisiYouth, they are a nonprofit that education and raises awareness about invisible disabilities. And, um, you know, I, I look pretty on Instagram and whatnot, but many people don't realize the daily struggles I go through. Um, everything from before I take that perfect Instagram picture. I mean, obviously most people know, okay, it takes like 20 pictures to get the right picture. But you don't know that by the fifth time I've tried, I'm already exhausted because I'm holding in my ticks, And I'm also then I start to get frustrated and I start ticking between every take. Um, You don't know that I used to post a ton of videos. If you go way to the bottom of my Instagram, like 200 photos down, I posted a lot of videos. And many people don't realize that I haven't been posting videos. And this is something I've never told. So official news for quite a few months, because my ticks have been pretty bad. And I still come to terms with that as much as I'm open about speaking. It's, it's a different thing about speaking about it and Hmm. having people actually see it. And it may make me sound like such a hypocrite because I do go and give speeches and people see it when I give speeches. But in my own opinion, if, if people are going to see me do it, I want to do it the right way. And that's Hmm. why I specifically, you know, have been searching for the right charity and, You know, I am aligned with the Tourette Association of America, which I think is phenomenal. And they've given me so many tools and resources. But just like why I went into anti-bullying, I wanted to reach a bigger demographic and people who would still understand but didn't necessarily have to have Tourette's.
0: You know, that really makes me think, um, especially having heard you in other interviews and things like that. That ironically, when you, I guess, come out, that's probably a terrible term, but it's sort of that. I mean, you're honest about it, but, you know, really coming out saying, hey, I've got this situation. I have a feeling your tics are going to go down.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, one of the things that people realize when they meet me is they're like, no, you don't have Tourette's. Um, But I, over the years, have gotten very, very good at holding them in. And it is, sadly enough, and I'm going to be completely honest because, I mean, actually, I'm generally speaking an honest person, but a better word would be I'm going to be completely raw when I say this and say that if I didn't hold in my tics or didn't have the ability, a lot of the people who I approach or network with wouldn't approach me. And you know what? I'm not in any way encouraging people to hold in their disability. I am strictly saying a sad truth and saying this is why I do it is like like we, you know, had talked about prior in our introduction. First impressions are everything. And so once I've talked to them and and you know, this is very different from when I was little. When I was little, I just wanted to get out of the way and I'd be like, "I'm Haley Grip and I have Tourette's. But then I realized something. I have Tourette's, but Tourette's doesn't have me. And I'm so much more than my Tourette's. So I try to get people to know me for me and everything else I am. And once they have and they see who I am, then I share them. And people may judge me when they hear this. And you know what I say is if it makes you feel good to judge someone for their personal decision on what they do, then all I can do is pray for you and hope for the best because – this is what works for me. And at the end of the day, I I never deny if I meet someone right away and they say, Oh, you're that girl who has Tourette's immediately. I'll be like, yes, I am. And I'm also that girl who loves to cook and loves to travel and is a complete dork and can't tell a good joke to save her life, but is generally a (laughs) funny person.
0: You know, it's funny. Um, couple parallels or or thoughts if you will. Of course. You're refusing to let Tourette's identify you. Much as um I could say I'm a podcaster, but I would rather say that I do podcasting. And I could say I'm a writer, but instead I say I I write. Um, I could say I'm a runner, but I I just choose to say I run. Because I, I am my own identity and then all these things are things that I either do or they might I might have. And I kind of feel like maybe that's sort of how you're describing the Tourette's. You are Haley and you have Tourette's, but you also have red hair.
1: Exactly. Oh, and my red hair is natural, by the way, in case anybody's wondering, you know. I may not be able to tell a joke, but I can definitely leave in those funny humorous comments. Um,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Now
1: I think that I do that and it gives me a sense of normalcy. And granted, I'm not one of those people who will ever preach about, you know, how amazing being normal is or whatnot. But for growing up as always being the child who couldn't control their Tourette's and couldn't control their emotions and everything that went along, went along with it, to have that sense of control. Um, at least part of the time and, you know, to have people not even realize. as much as I want to say, it feels good. That's not what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's a blessing because one thing that I'll share is I was almost completely tick free from the age of 16 to 21 until I was hit by a drunk driver. Mm. And when I was hit by a drunk driver, my Tourette's came back due to post-traumatic stress disorder of almost dying. And they came back with a vengeance. (laughs) And I left behind a career in Hollywood for a period because they were so bad. And because having those stripped confidence from me, because I used to be able to, you know, just tick before an audition, but I couldn't walk into an audition room without interrupting my lines and ticking. And that'd be helpful. Yeah. But you know, I also believe everything happens for a reason in this car accident happened for a few reasons. Um, one of them being that I had been speaking about Tourette's, but I hadn't really, you know, been affected by it for a really long time. So I needed to have that. Um, I needed to be humbled in that aspect and I needed to, um, go through what I was because I was losing touch with what I was talking about. Um, Hmm. but number two, um, it was a test of everything from faith to sanity to whatnot, because everything I had worked for and built from being on, you know, recurring on lifetime and commercials and Hallmark and different things. um, It was all taken away in an instant. And I think a lot of people don't realize that whether you have a disability or not in life, everything is changing and evolving and nothing is ever really secure. You can lose everything in an instant and it's how we react that matters. Is I was so upset for a few days and then I just, you know what? I was like I'm going to take this time and I'm going to work on myself. And that's what I did. I had been through a lot and you know, I'd never properly grieved my father's death at 17 and so I took this time for me and it was in this time away from the industry where I learned I was phenomenal at marketing and then where I started learning about social media and started building that platform to empower others. So if it wasn't for the car accident, I wouldn't be where I am today.
0: Two questions. Um, First one, have you looked into uh, EMDR for your um, PTSD?
1: I am not sure what that is. (laughs)
0: Um, they they give it for um, PTSD, especially veterans. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Don't ask me to say that really fast because I'm barely getting it out. Um, it essentially helps people with a post traumatic stress syndrome by, if you will, facing it directly um, in a, a strong therapy type of session and the effectiveness is, is astronomical. It's like 90% effective or something. Nice. Super high numbers. Very, very scary. And I'm thinking if you, if you want to, you know, if you were with a therapist or anything right now, you may ask them, hey, um, do you think EMDR could could help with um what happened from my accident? And maybe even your father. I don't know.
1: Um, I'm so grateful for that advice. I'm always learning different ways I can better myself. I did do a little bit of hypnotherapy, which helped about 80%. But um, it's one thing to help with the PTSD. But once you get ticks, you can't just get rid of it.
0: Oh, sure. Oh, sure, sure. And I'm not even implying that. Um, And that actually brings me up to um, another question. I'm a, a believer in exercise. And ironically, back to my mother with her Parkinson's, she actually had it for over 19 years, which is an extremely long time to suffer it. Most people, they don't live that long. And I think part of it is because she used to hide it. She would pretend she didn't have it. To me, my sister, we all knew she did. So it's kind of an inside joke. But she would force down her movements and things like that. And she walked every day frantically, probably like a mile plus every day at, at least. And I think that the exercise helped combat it. And I didn't know if you were familiar with John Ratty or Rady, R-A-T-E-Y, and the uh, SPARK science. Um, he's a, a physician. He's done a lot of research in how exercise, especially heavy exercise, um, like elliptical or whatever, can be incredibly helpful for balancing out things in the brain. This includes Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and other conditions.
1: You know, I... Have never heard of him, but I know the benefits of exercise. And one of you know the coping mechanisms as a child is my mom would drive me to the Rose Bowl. I'm in LA Aquatic Center um, every day after school for 45 minutes, and I'd swim and just releasing that. Uh, not only was it therapeutic, but that exercise got out that excess energy that would. Um, that would have gone into the energy towards ticks or the behavioral or whatnot. So I'm a firm believer, but I'm also a firm believer in the fact that diet affects the brain.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I think you said you react, especially to sugar.
1: Yes. um, There are like pretty much three things that trigger me. Uh, sugar immensely, and I I pay for it if I eat sugar like after 8 p.m. Um, gluten is a huge stimulant for me, for my for my tics. It amplifies them immensely. And the other thing is processed foods. So one of the things that people will immediately notice if they go to my Instagram is I'm a vegan, but I'm a different type of vegan. That sounds really weird. Let me let me rephrase that. I have a, a different reason of becoming a vegan. Yes, I'm a huge lover and supporter of animals and animal rights, but I went vegan because I've been struggling with Tourette's and some neurological other neurological issues that manifested. And one of the problems is with my OCD and whatnot, uh, you can tell me, oh, don't eat this. I'm most likely going to eat it unless you stick a specific diet on me. So going along with a doctor, I slowly started cutting foods out of my diet and I went vegan and gluten free and with, with minimal sugar. Now the reason being is not to be vegan, not just because of, I'd already been a vegetarian for seven years, but strictly because when you're vegan, you cut out so many of those processed foods that, mm-hmm. you know, I was eating. So I, or the sugar or whatnot. So if I was at a party and there was a cupcake and it wasn't vegan, I couldn't eat it. And it was just not having that sugar and that gluten in me. And so it was just everything that I couldn't eat anymore. That wasn't good for me. Sure. Is-
0: Ironically, vegans and paleo are two sides of the same coin. Both are very whole food, natural food,
1: oriented. Exactly. And you know, one of the hard things I've also learned is just because you're cutting out all of the processed non-vegan food is, you know, if you're going to the store and buying a bunch of like processed vegan meats and stuff, which guilty you look in my refrigerator, it's full of it. Um, Mm. uh, But if the majority of your vegan diet is processed vegan food, it pretty much going vegan would be not, Uh, there would be no point to it for me. So I have to eat whole veggies and, you know, I eat oatmeal every morning for breakfast. And, um, and so it really is a work in progress. Um, you know, I'm 25, but I'm not a partier. I work really hard. I don't drink a ton. And I think that my lifestyle, the fact that I get at least eight hours of sleep every night also really helps. So, in everybody's health, I feel like sleep, diet, exercise, like they're all huge things.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> sleep is the one that's often overlooked too.
1: Mm-hmm. If you just heard my sneeze, that's actually a tick. When I sneeze, I do this.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've heard you before and it sounded <laughs> like a, almost like a clearing of the throat.
1: Yeah, that um. too. So when I clear my throat or when I sneeze, those are just a few of the ticks. Another tick that I do is for the past, like, two years, I've said chimpanzee on a railroad or hippopotamus <laughs> on a railroad. No idea why. The thing with ticks is they could just come one day or here. or I could be watching, you know, a documentary with a hippopotamus and suddenly that's why I'm saying it. Um, we don't know why we say it and it can stick. But then, you know, the past two months, I had a very interesting one. And, you know, I, I allow people to laugh when I share this story because it's different if they're making fun of me or I'm sharing it and laughing with them. Sure. And I have been saying like, uh, like you have an enchilada on your head and that's called actually, yeah. <laughs> or enchilada head. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And then, uh,
0: Oh, yeah, that's your Minnesota t- coming in. Yeah. You're picking that up from there. Don't you know?
1: Don't you know?
0: <laughs> Sorry, I have um, really amazing podcast friends from Minnesota, and they make fun of themselves all the time, but it's just hilarious. to, uh, listen to I, I find it heartwarming.
1: Part of my heart is in Minnesota, and I plan one day on buying real estate. So, you know, knowing that Tourette's is genetic and there's a good chance... One of my children one day will, or future children will have either a comorbid disorder or Tourette's. I plan on buying property out there and spending the summers or just having it as a peaceful getaway. Because for me, my ticks were non-existent when I was there.
0: I have a question about that, actually. And this spawns out of a previous guest, um, Jeffrey Gurion. He is a horrible stutterer. And he actually managed to cure himself. And he said that he came to a conclusion that helped him work through. And I don't know if it would apply or not, but what he said just kept coming in my mind. Do you have ticks when you're alone in a room and no one else is there? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, it,
1: It's, it's Tourette's is something where, especially if you have, the type of ticks that are there twenty four seven, except for when you sleep, you're going to take no matter what. Whether people are there or not, whether mm-hmm. people are there or not can amplify how bad they are.
0: Sure, I, I kind of feel like the bit, the is partly a reaction to some of it. Like it, the frustration from having that oh. has got to be intense.
1: Absolutely, I, I completely agree, and you know. I think the frustration and whatnot, I used to get so upset about having Tourette's and then I had to really think and I was like, okay, well, if there's a reason for me having Tourette's, I, I want to figure out what that reason is. There's, there's gotta be some reason why I've struggled so much. And I came up with the conclusion that I've struggled as much as I have so that I can be a voice for the voiceless. It's
0: a good view.
1: And use all of my struggles and experiences to help others.
0: You're very religious, I think, correct?
1: Um, yes, um, as much as I am private on social media, just because, I mean, I'm already Don't that listen. person who's outspoken enough. I try to stay away from religious, rel- religion, okay. politicians and what. Yes, I'm very Christian, and I was uh, reborn and baptized while I was in Minnesota.
0: Okay, well, there's a saying, and that's why I'm bringing it up, is not to go deep into it, but just uh, um, God will give you only what he feels you are capable of handling. That's what pops into my mind when you say, why do I have it?
1: I like that. I haven't heard that saying, and I really like that. Thank you for sharing.
0: You're welcome. And um, to draw a strange parallel to that, You've been in a lot of um, Hallmark productions, I believe, right? Uh,
1: one Hallmark and Recurring on Lifetime, yeah.
0: Okay. And my wife really likes Hallmark and Guilty Pleasure. I actually kind of enjoy them, too. Oh,
1: I do, too. I, I got to send you a picture. <laughs> I, My mom actually just ordered it online for me and surprised me with it. And mm-hmm. it is a, a Hallmark Christmas shirt. And, oh, I'm holding it right now. And it. It says, this is my Hallmark Christmas movie watching shirt. So <laughs> I have a legit shirt that says that for when I watch Hallmark movies.
0: That is awesome. And what I was thinking about, especially watching that, it was if you're going to be an actor, what a better, there is no better legacy to have. Like a Hallmark movie, you can always show every single family member. So that has to be kind of a cool thing for work.
1: Um. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially while I was auditioning and everything early on in my career, and even after I left Hollywood, I've been a professional nanny for years. And now I will still volunteer or help out here and there with special needs kids is more my specialty. But it's always fun when I can show those kids that, you know, I nannied or whatnot, or my nephews, like (laughs) my nephews are my little loves and they're 15 and 11. And, you know, I mean, (laughs) if I could get them to sit down and actually watch a Hallmark movie, (laughs) actually, I could probably bribe the younger one, actually the older one too. I could probably just bring a bunch of ice cream and stuff and be like, okay, I need two hours of your time. And then we'll go to like the arcade or something. But reverse
0: psychology say no no you can't see this exactly get out of the room
1: (laughs) you know there are roles that i've done like my very small role on csi which i was 20 and it was an implied role and i i played a a murdered prostitute so there are certain things that people you know young kids can't really see but it's also pretty incredible the things that they can. And, you know, it, it was always amazing that I could do this anti-bullying stuff and be at schools. And, you know, people would think it's cool that I know, like Disney stars and whatnot, they could care less about what I've done. But mm-hmm. you know, in my own right, I'd be in their eyes. Oh, you're just like this celebrity. Cause you've been on the red carpet or whatnot. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's great. They think that, but I'm just me. I don't do what I do. And now that I'm back into acting, I don't act for fame. That's not why I do it. And that's not what drives me.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, hey, bearing the lead there. You're back into acting. That's new.
1: I am. Um, you guys have a, a lot of exciting things to watch me for in 2019. And it's been, you know, a long time coming of getting back into it. And um, for me, it's it's just in incredibly humbling and exciting and terrifying when I was going out for roles before I had this, you know, rounder little baby face where I was 20, 21 and looked like I was 15. and playing 15 and 16 year olds. And now I'm 25 and playing my age and I'm in a whole different ball game. So it's so different except for, um, you know, there was this audition I did like two weeks ago and mm-hmm. They actually brought me in and they had me take off all my makeup. They wanted to see how young I looked because if I take off my makeup, I still have the baby face, but it's more like 19, 20. But they mm-hmm. wanted to see if I could, in a flashback, play myself. Oh, nice. um, but yeah, I, you know, over those few years after the car accident, I went through an incredible amount from. Everything from, you know, when you say that your mom had Parkinson's, it hit home because one of the families that I nannied for, I took care of their grandmother who had Parkinson's for nine months, every single day, it's rough. It's
0: and, rough. It's rough. you
1: know, helped her from everything from going to the bathroom to, you know, um, help lift her. People don't know this. And I'm not ashamed to say that. And I. Sure. Well, uh,
0: that's honor. her
1: you know, this family, they were afraid to bring in somebody they didn't know. And how could I deny them that? And, you know, it was great for a while, but, um, you know, the woman's husband, their grandfather um, was kind of uh, getting up there too. And, you know, I left because of, you know, certain verbal abuse that wasn't, it wasn't him inside, you know, you know what I mean? Without like pretty much, I I try to be the most positive and upbeat spoken, but I still have such an amazing relationship with the family and like the little girls. Like I just took one of them out yesterday to uh, a new vegan place in LA. I've been dying to try, which was super good. It was soul food and it was called Crimsy's in, uh, in, and it was really good, but I took her out because I enjoyed spending that time with them. And, you know, I fell in love with these little girls who I watched for four years and couldn't let them go. But going based on, you know, the Parkinson's and, and everything is it's hard. And it's it's so devastating to see someone go downhill that fast.
0: It's yes, it's indescribable it's go uh, anyway <laughs> because they're mentally intact mostly oh,
1: I to speak to move um you know we used to do i used to go and help her and i'd help her with the therapy and her homework from after the you know voice therapist would come and ot and i would drive her to pt and you know no matter what you did it could slow down the process a little bit but not by much. And, and it was more of versus me being upset, just seeing her just acceptance of it just killed me.
0: Sure. Now, Haley, I know you have a hard out, so we need to wrap up and discuss where people can find you. Obviously it's Haley grip on Instagram. You have a massive following and are an influencer, but where else do you want to be found? Um,
1: uh, one of the things many people also might not know is this summer, I uh, and a friend we launched a vegan lifestyle website, an empowering women's site, and it's called Girls Who Eat Plants. So, com. And then, as of the beginning of the year, when um, you know my special announcement launches and whatnot, um, I'm going to have a new site out with all of my information and things. And I can just say um, the best thing to do right now is follow me on social media. But what I can also say is a lot of people won't do this, but I love it. I love interacting with whether they be fans, followers, people of interest on my Instagram is my email, reach out, send me a line, send me a direct message. I, I, do my best to respond to everybody. And if I don't respond within a week, send another email. Um, But, you know, if if you or someone you know has a disability or is being bullied or there's a child or a teen who needs some words of inspiration, please, please, please reach out because that's what I live for. I live for empowering others. And my greatest aspiration is honestly just to leave a positive impact on this world.
0: Those are, some awesome, awesome words and a great message. And, you know, what? thank you so much for coming on.
1: You know, thank you for having me. It's, um, it's pretty wonderful to, uh, not just get to share my story, but you know, have people that are interested in listening. I think in this day and age, and it's funny as someone with like a social media following, um, is that people, don't really take the time to listen all the time anymore. It's, or to communicate and I'm old school. I like to write thank you notes and talk to people on the phone. And, um, as much as social media is so beneficial at the same time, um, one of the things that I've been working on myself is putting my phone down and being present. And I think that in doing that, it has changed my life because I'm now living in the moment. I used to just try to capture everything. And, you know, some people won't see me post for a few days. And that's because I'm living my life. I used to post every single day, which is great. But sometimes I just want to be me. And along with the whole social media thing, you know, I want to bring up one more last thing is um, regarding social media. And another thing that you can look out for me is I will be doing a special workshop next year for people with disabilities and I'm going to be doing an online um, seminar as well. So if you don't live in California or Los Angeles and you or your child, there'll be one geared towards teens and tweens and one geared towards adults, but on um, social media etiquette 101, how to advocate for your disability. Um, And this is in saying when I was 16 or whatnot, I was extremely socially awkward. Um, A lot of people with disabilities have um, do struggle with social skills. And it's one thing in person to struggle, but online it never goes away. So in this workshop, um, I aim to go and uh, teach them a few things. Number one how to positively advocate for themselves and educate others on what they have. Um, And uh, they'll be given materials as well on like, if you're going to direct message a nonprofit or a podcast or whatnot, actually, that's something I'd love to talk to you about and possibly, you know, come up with a great little outline or whatnot, but really how to be a voice for themselves as well as if somebody comes after them or whatnot, an appropriate response or when to block and things like that. And just kind of like a social media yeses and nos. Um, And the hope is to really not only promote acceptance of those with disabilities on a wider plane, but also to stop cyberbullying.
0: and Definitely keep in touch with me on social, et cetera, and I'll happily amplify your message in whatever way I can.
1: I love that. Thank you so much. And just, um, once again, what an honor it was to be on your show and you know, I'm uh, here anytime and, uh, just very grateful. Thank you. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said.
0: I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in LA and you're an actor, there's no worse
1: place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the twelfth grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's really famous. It's like eavesdrops dropping on a therapy session.